Well, good morning. Um, I'm going to ask for your help with something. Um, I need your prayers, and here's why. God is doing something here at Shine Church, and it is an awesome thing, uh, but I want to make sure that I hear from God in regards to what to do in moving forward. Um, we are starting to fill both Saturday night and Sunday. Um, uh, they, whoever they are, the experts, say that once you get over 80%, um, people uh, start to get uncomfortable actually coming because they might not be able to find a seat in those kind of things, and I get that, but yet there's such an awesome community about this group right here, yes? I mean, you guys will be talking at least 45 minutes an hour. Some of you will still be here an hour after I dismiss this service, which is awesome, and I love that. And so I'm trying to pray through, and I need your help too. What do we do as, um, as we continue to see God's faithfulness? Um, you know, I, I love the community aspect of, of what's happening here at Shine Church, um, but the truth is this, healthy things grow. <laughs> Let me try this again. Healthy things grow. And so it is a good thing, and yet, uh, like I said last week, I find myself in, in a position where a lot of you are, which is I actually like the smallness in the community, so I just want the Lord to really give us good strategy in how, as we grow, how can we stay small, and what does that look like? And so um, there's many different thoughts and different ideas, um, but here's where we're going to start. Let's pray. Let's just pray together as a body of Christ. I don't want to do this alone. I need your help. Would you pray about direction? Pray about what the future is? Because though I don't know what it is, here's what I do know. The Holy Spirit does, God does, and he wants to give us the insight on that. And um, so pray about those things. Um, there's a possibility of maybe knocking this wall out to the ramp, giving us a little more room here so we can stay in the two services. Um, but here's the, the prayer I really want you to pray. What is the longevity of Shine Church in regards to this building? Do we just buy the entire mall? <laughs> or is there something else somewhere else? And so um, I, I started this church by saying, hey, let's pray. Um, every decision that we've been making, every group that we've been doing, we start with just a time of prayer. So here's what I want you to do. Please just be praying. Pray for direction. Uh, pray for finances. Pray for wisdom. Um, would you join me in praying? Okay, great. Second thing I need to bring up to you is this. Um, you're like, I thought you were going to pray right now. No, you're going to pray this week at home. Second thing is this. Um, hey, uh, men, how many men do I got in here? Oh, wait a second. <laughs> Just try it one more time. How many men do I got here? Yeah. All right, there we go. Hey, intentionally, the last six months, we have not uh, actually had many things going on. We do have a Wednesday morning Bible study that you're more than welcome to attend. Um, but a group of us actually got together and started to strategize about what does men's ministry look at Shine Church? Because, as you've heard me say, I don't want to do anything at Shine Church just because that's what churches do. And so we've been praying through that, and we felt like God gave us some good instruction and insight on how to connect uh, men together. And so we're going to start discussing that and revealing that at a men's breakfast on Saturday, February 23rd. And so put that into your calendar, and men, I want you to be here. It's going to be 9 to 11. We're going to feed you. Okay, I know that'll be exciting. At least come for the free food. It'll be stuffed all Saturday. You won't have to eat till Saturday night after the service if you come Saturday or you can fast till Sunday morning. Whatever you want to do, we're going to feed you that much. Um, but more important than that is we're going to give you just some insight into what we feel like the Lord is leading us to. And so, men, put that on your calendar. Be here 9 to 11 on the 23rd. Um, I'm going to uh, pray for this service. Janelle mentioned it in worship, uh, but I want to bring it up as well. Last night, uh, we had a word given during worship 
And the word uh, was simply this, that God wants to do open heart surgery. Um, and now last night he said for an individual, but I feel like it's really kind of a corporate thing. And as a matter of fact, as I go into this message, um, I want to tie it into um, what one of our intercessor prayer pastor, or our prayer leader, Angela Rose, actually sent us uh, a thing before our prayer on Saturday night and said, hey, I really feel like the enemy is going to try to distort, twist, and steal this word away. And so here's what I want to do. I'm going to pray that God would use me to speak to you, but here's um, what I ask of you. Would you ask that God would give you fertile soil? Would you ask God to come in and actually give you open heart surgery and open your heart? Because here's the truth. If you don't have an open heart to receive this message, um, I'm actually going to give you resource and tools to be able to beat up your spouse with. Now, listen, listen to that. If you take this message without an open heart and you're going to keep your heart closed, here's how you'll hear this message. This is what my spouse needs to do. And I don't want you to have that mentality. I want you to understand that this message is for you. And that means that you need to have your heart open and you need to say, Holy Spirit, come and, and speak to my heart. Do work on my heart. I don't really care if you do work on anybody else's heart, but today work on my heart. Would you pray that? Okay, so Heavenly Father, we come before you right now. We thank you so much that you can speak to all of these people at one time time. God, that you through your Holy Spirit can direct and lead us and you can truly do open heart surgery on us. And so God, I pray right now that as we go into this message, that you would help us to keep our mind on ourselves. Holy Spirit, show us individually how this message applies to me personally. And so God, I pray that as I speak, the words that come out of my mouth would penetrate into the hearts of every person listening and that every person listening would receive them from you and would take in what you want to speak individually as your Holy Spirit leads. And God, we thank you for that in your name. Everybody said, amen. amen. All right, just to summarize real quick, we started the year with a series called Centered. We've moved that into now a series called God-Centered Living. And what we're doing is we're taking different aspects of our life and trying to make just some really practical application to how do you put God at the center of your throne. And so uh, last week, we talked about God-Centered Marriage. I'm going to do a part two today on God-Centered Marriage. Next week, we're going to move over into God-Centered Relationships. Um, but for this weekend, I want you to remember what the foundation is, and that is this. In 2 Timothy 2.22, it actually says that we are supposed to pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. And I presented to you that could that be a divine order and that we were going to actually take this God-centered living and use that order in the messages, meaning this. Righteousness means the right standing. Where does God see the whole of this thing. So for instance, for God-centered marriage, what does God say about marriage? What does the word of God have to say? What does he instruct us corporately in regards to what does marriage look like? And then righteousness leads to faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So as we talk about the word of God, as we understand his right standing in regards to marriage, then we begin to understand maybe what our individual role is and what God is speaking to us individually about 
marriage and what our part is to play, which then leads into love. And that love is that agape, unconditional love in which we begin to give out what we feel like the Lord is leading us to. And as we taught a couple weeks ago, what that leads to is peace, which is wholeness. How many of you want wholeness in your marriage? Yeah, absolutely. Now, if you are single, if you are divorced in here, I want you to know, don't tune me out because I think God has some really practical things and some insight as we go through this that even you can glean from. But I, my prayer is this, that maybe you could take some of this and you have people that you know that are married that you can actually help out with this stuff. So um, take this in, receive what the Holy Spirit has for you and understand the foundation is, hey, let's take a look at what God says, okay? Now, um, I want to set, before I read the scripture in the New Testament, last week we talked about the Old Testament and how God set up man and woman, how he put them together to make one, um, what marriage looked like. If you didn't get a chance to listen to that, man, I encourage you, please go listen to that. It's on our Facebook page, um, Shine Church, CEO for Colorado, and you can get all the messages. Um, Go back and listen to that one because this one kind of adds on to that. This week, I want to talk about the New Testament and what does the New Testament say about marriage. And before I do that, I want you to understand this. I'm, I'm starting from a couple key foundational things. The first one is this. Um, no one in this room, no one in this room has a perfect marriage. And I understand that. None of us are perfect. We all make mistakes. We all have issues. I totally understand that. But what I need to do is I, ne- I need to set the standard. I need to set God's perfect standard. Is that okay? Are you guys on board? Because listen, um, here's, here's what sin is. Sin is what? Missing the mark. Somebody over here said it. Sin is missing the mark, okay? We spoke a couple months ago about this, but just to make sure everybody's on the same page, um, what it, it comes from an archery term. So if there was a target on that back wall and I take a bow back and I shoot it, I'm trying to hit the center of the target. If I don't hit center, center bullseye and I'm off even just a little bit, you know what that's called? Sin. Okay, and so in marriage, we have sin that happens. I, as a husband, sin. My wife, Kim, she doesn't sin as often, but she sins. We miss the mark, but that doesn't take away from the fact that when I teach this, I have to start with the standard of what God says. We have to know what the right standing is is. And here's the problem that I have seen. We live in a world where the, the target and the bullseye isn't even where it is supposed to be at. We, as a culture, as a society, we've designed marriage as something way over here. And so people are actually trying to hit the mark over here, and it's not even what God intended. So for instance, we have a culture and we have a society that swinging is okay. Some of you are like, I don't even know what swinging is. Swinging is when one couple gets with another couple and the two couples do things that only a couple should do. And there's a lot of people that say, hey, that's okay in your marriage because it keeps the life in it. Ugh. But yet if that's the target that you're shooting for to try to keep your marriage healthy and vibrant, man, even though you hit bullseye there, you are sinning and missing the mark, yes? And so we've got to start from the standard. And I understand there are couples in here that are hurting. I understand there are couples in here that um, maybe just feel like roommates in the same house. I understand there are couples that are thinking about leaving one another. I understand that there are issues in our life. 
And so as I go into this and as we start talking about what the perfect standard is, I want you to know there is no condemnation in those who seek and serve the Lord. I don't give you these things to make you feel guilty. I give you these things so that you can know at least what to aim at and what to go for. Is that good? All right. And as I said before I prayed, I want to make sure that you understand this message is for you. It is not for your spouse. Do not filter this through, oh man, I wish he would get this. Or, oh, he just needs to understand this. No, get it for you. All right? Okay, let's go. Here we go. God-centered marriage, according to the New Testament. I'm not going to read all the sections of Scripture in the New Testament about marriage, um, but I'm going to use the, the, the section in uh, Ephesians 5, which I believe um, is, is commonly used because it's probably the most... Um, um, it's probably the most... What's the word I'm looking for? Um, what? Distinct, relevant, thank you. Distinct and relevant portion of, about marriage um, for us to grab a hold of. And so it talks about the roles of a wife and the roles of a husband. And last week we talked about how um, we, are, um, we are not necessarily equal in marriage, but we do have the same value in marriage. And I think we all agreed that we have the same value, but we have different roles. Yes? Okay, again, go back and listen to that if you didn't hear this. All right, so if that's the case, as we read in this, understand that there are different roles and different thoughts that God has for a husband and for a wife. But interestingly enough, it starts by saying this, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord, for the husband is the head of his, of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for, for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as, the church, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Now, four things that I want to talk about out of that section of Scripture. And the first one is this. It starts by saying, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, interesting, um, and if you're studying the Bible and you are... Um, trying to read through, one of the most important things you can do is try to understand the context of what things are being written in. And so I want to um, read a few verses. It's not up there, so you're just gonna have to listen. But Ephesians 5.35 says this, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. 
Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with song, psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. Okay, so what I want you to understand is, hey, this is a letter written by Paul, and he's going about godly living. If you want to understand his will, if you want to do the things that he's asking you to do, he's kind of listing some of those things, and in the middle of that letter, he realizes, you know what, I need to help people in regards to their marriages. And so he goes right into it, and he says those words, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So here's what I need. I need your help this morning. Help me out. When I say the word submit, what comes to mind? Surrender? Huh? Obey? Give in? Okay. Consider? Consider what? Consider the others above yourself? Okay. Love that. Listening to each other, okay? What else comes to mind? Surrender. Surrender, love that. Vulnerable. Did Brad say that? You both said it together. Oh, you're married. I just love it. <laughs> love that. What else? To come under. To come under, okay? If I went into downtown Castle Rock, let's say there's a group of people there, and I say, hey, Tell me what comes to mind when I say the word submit. What do you think they'd say? Huh? No. no. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Huh? Power? A cower. Like, like I'm a coward or I have to cower under, okay? Again, going into the world mindset, what else do you think they'd say? Give up control? What'd you say? Submit. Submit. Yep. Okay. So um, somebody said last night, doormat. Huh? Circum. Yeah. Uh, there is um, a misrepresentation of what submit means in this world. Would you all agree with that? And unfortunately, it has actually come into the church. And I think it's been taught in a lot of ways wrong and incorrectly. And people have this bad taste in their mouth when it comes to that. And so um, women in particular, because we're going to talk about it here in just a minute because it says submit to your husband. Women in particular really don't like it because unfortunately the way that men have used that. Like I said last week, I wish there was a man's Bible and a woman's Bible. And the man didn't get to read that part for the woman. Because what a man does is takes that and starts to say, no, this is how you need to be. And they don't even pay attention to their part. And we make mistakes there. But here's what's interesting to me. This section of scripture that talks about marriage and the roles starts by saying this. We need to submit to one another. We need to submit to one another. Before it even gets into any of the roles for a wife or a husband, it actually says we need to submit to one another. And here's what it means in the actual Greek. It actually comes from two different words. 
One is to arrange. The other one is under. So the word submit there, or subject, actually means to arrange yourself under. Properly under God's arrangement. An example, submitting to the Lord or to his plan. And here's the usage. I place myself under. I subject myself to. I submit myself to. I put myself into subjection. And so let me just ask you, how are you doing? How are you doing? Are you placing yourself under your spouse? Other scriptures that come to my mind, consider, your, consider others more highly than you. Humble yourself. The thought is this. Am I doing everything I can to put myself underneath my spouse? This goes for wives and it goes for husbands. Yes? I'm a good place for an amen there. I'm just saying. Now, here's what's interesting about that verse. It says this, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It doesn't just say submit to one another, but then it says out of reverence for Christ. Okay, so help me out again. What does reverence mean? What, fear? Holy fear? Respect? Love? What else comes to mind? Honor? Admire? All of these things are great words. I think that absolutely some part of reverence actually fits into this. But when you look it up, it actually gets, man, even a little more deeper than that, I think. It says this. It comes from the word phobos, which is our word, root word for phobia. And this is what it means. Fear, terror, and alarm. The object or cause of fear, or it can be reverence, or respect. Okay. I find it very interesting that it says that we are to submit to one another out of this holy fear of God. And I would submit this. If we don't get this, then it doesn't matter what I teach in the rest of the message about the roles. We will be off of target, off of center. If you don't understand how God sees this and give him the proper reverence in this, then you will be off. And if you even are off just a degree, after years and years and years, you will be way off from where you're supposed to be. Yes? And so here's, here's what I, well, I think DJ, Pastor DJ, pretty summed it up pretty well um, when we were talking in the teaching team. He said this, could it be idolatry if we fear our needs in front of the fear of the Lord. I'm going to say it again. Could it be idolatry if we fear our needs in front of fear of the Lord? Because here's what I've observed. Any marriage that is struggling is because she's not meeting my needs. He's not meeting my needs. And it's all about the needs being met and the person is more consumed with the needs that they have than what God is saying. It's quiet in here. Man, grab a hold of this because it is so important to the health of your marriage. We are supposed to submit ourselves. We are supposed to arrange ourselves under our spouse because of our reverence for God. 
I'm going to say it quite boldly. Could it be that if your marriage is struggling, it's because your walk with God isn't very good? <laughs> Let's pray. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> be kind of a bad place to leave you guys right there. But I want you to get something. Your relationship with the Lord, your walking and talking relationship with him greatly influences how you will do as a husband, sir. It greatly influences how you will be as a wife, ma'am. And you have to understand that before you even put yourself under your spouse, you have to have this reverence for God. You have to go before him and go, what do you say about my marriage? What do you say about my needs? You know what the word of God says? He says, he's the one that provides for your needs, not your spouse. How many of you are actually going to the Lord and asking him to meet your need or are you demanding it from your spouse? Because when you start to demand it from your spouse, what you're doing is you're putting your needs above what God wants to speak into your life. And that's a scary place to be. And I want you to understand there's, there's a truth here that I don't like <laughs> as a husband. Because to be quite honest with you, man, I, I, I want Kim to meet my needs. <laughs> Kim's not here this morning because she's mad at me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> She actually threw her back out yesterday. So pray for her. Um, but I can't tell you how many times that I've put my needs in front of what she needs. I put my wants, my desires, in front of her wants and her desires. And sometimes even knowing that the Lord is telling me not to do it. Anybody? And that is the struggle and that is the tension. And like we talked last week, um, you know what? God put us together to be one, but the enemy is trying to do everything he can to weasel his way to separate us and to pull us apart so that we're not connected because then when we're not connected, then we feel justified in doing whatever we want to do to meet our needs. And that's what he's doing. He's trying to pull us apart and I want to say couples come back together Side by side, stop fighting against one another and start fighting against the enemy because the enemy is trying to rip you apart. He's trying to rip you apart. Never have I had a couple when I got together and, and as a matter of fact, uh, Jordan and Janelle, I did premarital counseling with you guys. Did I not ask you this question? Jordan, do you want to cheat on her? I did ask that question. And he looked at me like, are you crazy? And I said, Janelle, do you want to divorce your husband? And she's like, no. I don't know any couple that would say yes to that question. And yet we find ourselves, some of you right now, contemplating and even thinking about doing that. Doing the thing that God says, I hate. Well, Pastor Dan, you just don't know what he does. Pastor Dan, you don't know what she does or what she doesn't do. You know what? Here's what I'm going to say. I'm not focused on your spouse. I'm focused on you. And here's my question. How's your walk with God? 
Because I believe this with all my heart. If your walk with God is on fire and if you're hearing from him, then you know what? It puts you in the right place. And when you're in the right place, the word of God says in 1 Peter that a wife, when she submits to the Lord, Lord and then submits to her husband and she does it in such a way, she can actually win him over. And I believe that husbands, if you will live the way that you're supposed to live, guess what? You know what? You can win your wife over. But it comes from you focusing in on you and your relationship with the Lord and letting him guide you and not putting any demand on your spouse. This is a lot different than last night. So forever, whoever needs to hear this, it's for you. Grab a hold of this. You guys okay? All right. Now let's go into the roles then. Understanding that we need to put ourselves underneath, arrange ourselves underneath our spouse as the Lord instructs us to do so. Now it goes into a couple different roles. And it says this, wives, submit yourselves to your own husband as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, I want you to listen to this last line because this one's not taught very often. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Okay, so here's my question to you, and again, I need your help. How is it that the church, what are the things that the church does? What are the things that you do to submit yourself to God? To submit yourself to the Lord. What are the things that you do in your personal relationship with the Lord? If I ask you, how do you submit yourself to God? What comes to mind? Quiet time, Quiet time meaning what? Uh, uh, Andy, can I say it this way? You are very intentional about taking time to spend with him. Intentional, yes? Mm, that's good. like that. What else comes to mind when I say submitting yourself to the Lord? Okay, can I say it this way? Because I see worship as giving my respect to the Lord, right? giving honor to him, I mean, kind of giving reverence to him, just saying, God, I think you're amazing. Okay, um, Could it be that wives, your husbands might need to hear from you a little bit of how awesome they are? <laughs> okay, I'm going to give away the end of the message here. It ends by saying, husbands love your wives and wives respect your husband. Wives, listen to me right now. There is a thing in a man that he is wired that if there's a show of disrespect, it crushes his heart. But yet if you say respectful words, there's something in a man that will go, yeah. <laughs> and there's no one in this world that can make a man puff out his chest. There's no one in this world that can make that happen like a wife. And there's something in us men that go, ah, yes. And so I'm not saying that we're worshiping, you as women, women should worship your husband like we worship God, but I do think there is a time where you need to say, I think you're awesome. But Pastor Dan, I don't think he's awesome. Okay, stop focusing on all of the things negative and try to find that one thing and just pump him up in that. 
Maybe he just takes the trash out well. I'm, oh man, I'm telling you, you got, gentlemen, you tell me if I'm wrong here, but if your wife would come in and just encourage you in one thing, you stand a little taller and then you might want to be a better man for her. Yes or no? Ladies, I want you to hear, there was not a single no that came out. There's something to this. Okay, again, submitting our lives to the Lord. What are other things that come to mind? Fasting, what do you mean? Okay, so could I say it this way? Um, one of the things that I do in my personal relationship with the Lord is I deny myself in order to give my life to God. Yeah. Wives, there is a portion of this role that God's asking you. Will you deny yourself for your husband? What other things come to mind? Submitting your life to the Lord. Sydney. Trusting. trusting. Man. If you aren't trusting God, ooh, this is going to be, grab a hold of this. If you aren't trusting God, how will you ever trust your husband? Okay, that went over real good. Please grab that. There's, there's, there's an understanding that God is good, and we have to have that trust. Yeah, but Pastor Dan, again, my husband is not acting like God would. Hey, listen. Let me just ask you this question. And we're going to get to the guys here in just a minute. So don't feel like this is just, a, oh, you're just beating on women. Not, not. Listen, does it matter whether he changes or not when it comes to your role as wife? Does it matter? Do you think that you're going to be able to stand before the Lord and he's going to go, hey, how did you do as a wife? And you're going to be going, well, he just was a jerk. And God will go, yeah, you're right, he was. So you're exempt. I don't think that's how it's going to be. And for the wife or the husband, we're going to talk about husband, I want you to know the same thing is true. There are roles, there are things, there are, he put it in the word. Again, his right view of marriage is written right here. And what he put together is so that we could comprehend and understand that. And when we stand before the Lord, I believe with all my heart, we're not going to be asked, hey, if your spouse had done this, would you have done this well? He's going to ask you, how did you do despite the fact that your spouse wasn't perfect? You guys are really quiet this morning. Here, listen, this is, this is how I teach this in, in marriage counseling. And I think you guys will agree with this. Um, my relationship with the Lord is these things that people have said, but it goes beyond that. My relationship with God is that I give him everything that makes me who I am. Man, I tell him what, brings me great happiness. I tell him what makes me angry. I tell him what scares me. I tell him what brings me great joy. I share my life with God. As a matter of fact, when I'm walking well with the Lord, I, am, I have him top of mind on a regular basis. He's the thing I'm thinking about. And when I have decisions, I ask him, hey, what do you think about this? And sometimes he tells me. Other times he's like, I don't care what you do. Do whatever you want. 
God, should I take a shower? Should I brush my teeth? I think he goes, I don't care. But thanks for involving me. It's so much more than just a, a kind of these, these, and please don't take me wrong when I say this, the, the religious terms of, of, of fasting or, or worshiping, I, it, it's, it's about a relationship. It's about an openness. And yes, there needs to be obedience because when God speaks, I need to go ahead and, and then yes, there's gotta be trust and all of those things. But I think the key element to my walk with God, when I'm doing well, my heart is open to him. My heart is going, okay, God, I'm giving you everything I have and I'm open to whatever you have for me. But when I'm not doing well with my walk with God, my heart is my own. Anybody? And so wives, here's what I would submit to you today. I believe what God is asking you to do when he says submit to your husband as the head of the marriage as the body of Christ submits to Christ as the head. I believe what he's saying is, ma'am, will you give your heart to your husband in a way that you've never given your heart before? Will you give your life, will you give your thoughts, your opinions, your joys, your fears, would you give everything that you have to your husband? Now here's something interesting. We talked last week about the fact that the woman by nature is a protector. You always hear this statement, oh man, don't mess with mama bear. Why? Because there's this thing inside of a woman to protect and the number one thing a woman protects is her heart. And what God is saying, and God understood this, because God wired you the way that you're wired. And so what God said is, ma'am, will you go against your nature and will you give your heart to your husband in a way that I understand will make it incredibly difficult, It's gonna put you in an incredibly vulnerable position because he could stomp on that heart and hurt you. And I'm going to say it even a little bit different because he will step on your heart and hurt you. Listen, there's not a perfect man in this room, which means this, that if you risk it and you give your heart to your husband and you say, here it is, I'm giving you my life. I'm sharing everything that makes me the woman that I am and I'm going to lay it out there before you and then I'm ultimately going to let you make the decision and I'm going to trust that you're moving in the best interest of our. And guess what? I promise you, He's going to at times stomp on your heart. And the first thing you're going to do is recoil. Yes or no? And even though he's going to hurt you, and even though he's going to say stupid stuff, and even though he's going to do stupid things, and even though he's going to make dumb decisions... I believe what God is asking you to do is stay open. Don't close off. Listen, when I went to Aiken, South Carolina to be a youth pastor, I, through instruction and through just wrong teaching, I was the dude. I came home one day and I told my wife, you need to submit to me. It's what the word of God says. How do you think that went over Like a lead balloon, absolutely. But you know what? Here's the problem. I, th I thought I was doing things God's way. 
by reciting what her role is to her. Sir, if you're doing that, you're in the wrong. Sir, you need to be reciting your role to yourself. Let God speak to her what her role is. And vice versa. But here's what happened. When I did that, her heart went. And we spent weeks. Church, I'm not kidding you. Weeks not talking. And we lived in South Carolina. And I realized my wife's greatest joy would have been to go home and leave me in South Carolina. Just get me back in Colorado. Get me away from this butthead. Excuse my language. (laughs) But that's what I was. And there was a time where I I didn't know if we were going to make it or not. Now, I wish I could say that I changed, but you know what? I didn't. God got a hold of her and helped her to realize, you know what? This is the wrong attitude. And even though he's not being kind... I still need to give my heart and my life to him. And she started to do that. She started to give her heart. She started to speak to me again. (laughs) She started to share where she was at and her struggles. And it was in that time that the Holy Spirit then began to reveal to me one of our biggest issues was her relationship with her mother. We lived in Aiken back in the time where it cost money to talk on the phone. Some of you probably don't even remember that time. But there was a time where if you called long distance, it cost you money. And last week, when I talked about that verse that says a man will leave his mother and father and be joined to his wife and the two will become one, when I said there's not a verse in the Bible that says a woman leaves her mother and father, that's when I got that revelation and God began to work on me. As she opened her heart, I began to realize, oh wow, one of the needs she has is to have a relationship with her mother. And so we actually started talking about, okay, so how can we facilitate that in a way that it's not gonna break the bank? And actually that opened her heart more. And all of a sudden that marble that was going like this turned and started going back up. And she gave more of her heart and I protected it and I gave her more of what she needed and it just kept going up and up and up. And so here's what I will finish with with the ladies is this. God is asking you, Be vulnerable to your husband. Pastor Dan, you're asking me to be weak. No, vulnerability is not weakness. I want you to understand that right now. Think about any person that you respect or you looked up to, and I'm willing to bet that one of the reasons you look up to them, one of the reasons you respect them, is because they shared some kind of secret or some kind of struggle that they're facing, and you didn't think less of them, you actually lifted them higher. And so, ma'am, I'm not asking you to be weak. I'm asking you to be vulnerable. I'm asking you to give your heart away. Give everything that makes you who you are to your husband. Now it goes on and says this to the man. Okay, can't get my iPad open. All right, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. I'm gonna repeat that. He who loves his wife loves himself. Let me say the opposite of that. If you do not love your wife, you do not love yourself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his church. Um, Church, real quick, this will be an easy answer. How did Christ show us love as a body? 
He sacrificed. He died, yes? He died. It's really simple, guys. God is asking you to die for your wife. That's it. It's really easy. Actually, here's the truth. It would be easier to die physically for my wife than to die daily. If a car is about to hit her, I push her out of the way, let the car hit me, kill me. Hey, that was the easy way to die. Because what God is asking us to do is to go against our very nature, which is what? What is a man's nature? Control. Pride. Huh? Strength, be in charge. Do it my way. Yes or no? Go into any workplace in the world, and what are you going to see? You're going to see men trying to do things and enforce their way. And the higher up in authority, the more enforcer they get. Yes? You worked for that guy that said, hey, I'm your boss. I don't care what you think. Or have you worked for the boss that understands, hey, you know what? The higher up in leadership, the more servant type I get. Anybody work for that guy? Yeah, DJ does. Okay, good. <laughs> he left the service last night right when I got to that part. He couldn't even answer it. Peter, where was your hand, by the way? I'm just, I'm just saying. Hey, we make light of that, but here's the truth. Husband, you want to operate in your role? Again, this is the portion of the message for you, gentlemen. You want to operate in your role? The example given to you and I is Jesus dying for the church. How you doing? Are you giving up everything so that your wife's heart is protected? Or are you saying, this is my house, these are my rules, and this is how we're going to live? Where are you in that pendulum swing? Because this is one area where I'd say you need to bring the pendulum all the way over here. And here's what's interesting is you die to yourself and you give yourself away and you say, hey, look, you know what? I value your opinion. I value your thoughts. I want to know where you're at and I want to listen to you, not so that I can fix you, but just so that I can connect with you. You know what? One of the number one complaints that a woman will tell me in marriage counseling um, is he always tries to fix me. Okay? Yes or no? Why are we guys trying to fix? Because that's our nature, because we're conquerors, because that's what we, but ultimately it's because we have this pride in us that says, I know better than you. Is this okay? That hurts. I'm listening to what I'm saying and I don't like it. That doesn't change what God is asking us to do. Man, read through that section this week, guys. Go through that. It says that Jesus died not only just to give his life for us to serve us, but it says that he did it so that we could be pure and radiant and blameless. How are you living your life, husband? Are you doing everything you can to make your woman look radiant? Or are you doing things like I do and put her down because you want to be higher? Ugh, ouch. 
Stop it, God. Man, I wish I could tell you that I'm great at this, but I say the stupidest things to Kim. Every single day I say stupid things. Don't, don't make her radiant and beautiful. What is it about human nature to make ourselves feel better? We put others down. And husbands, this is a pattern that we get into as men because it's the world that we live in. Listen, guys, the way they relate to one another, man, they relate by telling jokes to one another, by putting each other down. And if you have a really healthy relationship, man, that's okay. And um, I, I mean, it actually... <laughs> I don't know why this is, but yes or no, it brings guys together. We can joke that way, and, and we feel loved in that setting. We say things like, well, I only kid with the ones I love, and there's truth in that for a guy, but women are wired differently, and they don't receive it real well. Yes or no? There's a verse in the Bible that says this, husbands, be very careful not to say harsh words to your wife. Why do you think that's in there? Because it's destructive. What does it do to a woman's heart? What does it do to a woman's heart? It hurts it. It closes it. I'm going to make it super easy for us, guys. Here it is. Ask yourself one question. Ask yourself one question for the rest of your life. Here's the question. Is what I'm doing or is what I'm saying opening or closing my wife's heart? And if you will only do the things that you know will open or close your wife's heart, oh boy, it will go really well for you. And here's what's interesting. The more we die to ourselves and give away our lives to our wives, there's this interesting thing that happens because she feels cared for and nurtured. She begins to go, hey, you know what? I want to give you what you want. But we got to be careful because you don't do this so that you get something because that's not dying to yourself. Dying says, you know what? I'm going to do what Christ did and I'm going to die to what I want. You want this color car? She wants this color car. What color car are you getting? The one she wants. The man married 54 years this week. <laughs> wise guy. Very wise guy. Last week we talked about decisions you're making and she goes, well, I just don't feel right about this. You're going to go, well, I'm going to go with the facts and figures and not your feeling. Go with the feeling. It's going to open her heart. But what if she's wrong? You made a bad choice, but you're connected to your wife. Yes or no? No. And here's what I've found. The more that I do this, the more that I do this, the more my wife goes, hey, you know what? This is my thought. This is my opinion. But I'm going to trust. I, I believe that God's leading you. And God's giving you that. And here's the incredible thing is that when we both operate in these roles properly, it just starts going up this way. A woman is glad to give her heart away. I've heard this over and over and over from ladies. I would gladly submit to my husband if he loved me perfectly the way God told him to. 
I hear that all the time. But anytime, guys, that we start demanding our way, now we're not doing it God's way, and now there's something in a woman's heart that doesn't want to do it God's way as well. And so I tell couples in premarital counseling, here's, here's my challenge to you. Which one of you is going to be the bold one to say, you know what, I don't care what you're doing, I'm going to operate in my role. If you're struggling in here this morning, man, please, please hear me right now. If you're struggling here this morning, don't be thinking through this message through your spouse's eyes. Think about it through your eyes. What are you going to do? Will you be the man that God's called you to be? Will you die to yourself in order to make your wife radiant, spotless, beautiful? Ma'am, will you give your heart back to your husband? Will you begin to give him respect? Will you be a woman that says, hey, I think you are the best man in this world. That's why I married you. Even though you may not fully believe that. Time heals all things if you're focused on what God is telling you to do. Because if you're not listening to God, I don't care how much time you have. It'll just get worse and worse. You've got to go before the Lord. So I'll finish by saying this. It concludes this whole section by saying this. However, each one of you must love his wife, the husbands, as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. All right, let me finish by saying this. It's interesting to me that a couple different times just in that section, God wants us men to know that you need to love your wife as you love yourself. I'm good at loving myself. Listen, I... The things that I need, the things that I want, the thing, man, I make that a number one priority in my life. Yes or no? What God is saying is, will you take that mentality, that mindset, and will you cherish your wife and make it your number one priority to meet her needs and to meet her wants? Because a woman will receive love if she feels like you are doing everything you can to care for her heart. Ladies, please tell me no if I'm, if I'm wrong in that. There's something in a woman's heart that when she feels loved and cared for, it goes back to what we talked about last week. There's a wiring in you. You desire relationship. You desire care. You desire, even though your nature is protector, you desire for your husband to protect your heart. You want to be... You want to have this position mentally and emotionally where you know that you're connected with your husband and that he has your interests best in mind, kind of like God has ours. Interesting biblical trivia. Nowhere in the Bible does it say wives love your husband. Agape love. There is a section where it says uh, to the older ladies, train the younger women to love your, their husbands. But that love is phileo, it's not agape. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, wives, agape love your husband. I believe that that's because it's the very nature of a woman. She didn't need to be reminded. God knew it's in her because he put it in her. And so he didn't need to tell wives to love their husbands because it's what's in you. That's what will just come out naturally. But he knew us husbands needed to be reminded. Because he knew what's in us is that conquering thing. 
And here's the truth. I know this. Sir, you did this at some point because you got this on your finger. You loved and cherished and cared for your spouse some way. You wooed her, you brought her in, you died to yourself daily in order to win her heart. And you did it and you got married. And like we talked about last week, a lot of times guy goes, nah, I got the trophy, now I can go start working on other things. Here's my final thought to the men. Men, you need to do everything you can to win your heart, your wife's heart every day, every week every month, every year. Don't stop pursuing your wife. Ask God to give you that, almost that feeling when you first met her, where you're like, man, I will, I will, I will leave my job if I can hang out with you tonight. Do you remember that time? Where you're like, man, I don't care. I, you will abandon your buddies to go hang out with this girl. But now all you wanna do is hang out with your buddies. What happened? Man, we gave up on the pursuit of the heart. And so it says, husbands, love your wives. Take that in. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal, what does that mean? How do I individually do this? And to the wives, it says this, respect your husband. <laughs> I said I was done with the men, but I'm not. <laughs> okay. Guys, correct me if I'm wrong. Please feel free to do, shout it out. Let me know. This is interactive. You can let me know. There is something in a man that we want to be hit right between the eyeballs with what we're doing, okay? I know there's a teaching out there for, for bosses and that kind of thing that says, hey, uh, what you need to do is come alongside a guy and you need to build, you're like, oh, Peter, I think you're the most wonderful guy ever and I think you do a wonderful job. Hey, but in this one little area, I think you messed up just a little teeny bit. And oh, by the way, I think you're a wonderful guy and I think you're just an amazing man. Okay, you know, it, it's this like correction sandwich. <laughs> fluff and fluff and then the real issue. I don't know a single guy that likes that. Okay? Here's how guys like it. Greg, you messed up. You didn't do this right, and you need to fix it. And you need to fix it right now. Because if you don't fix it, there's going to be ramifications, and there's going to be things that are going to be take place. And I don't know if and I'll be able to keep you hired here if you don't change this and fix this up. Now, Greg's going to leave that conversation. And he's going to be really mad at me. But he's going to go, you know what? He's right. I did mess that up. And you know what? I am going to show him. There's something that rises in a guy that goes, okay, I'm going to show You know what? He was respectful enough to tell me how it was. And something rises up and goes, I will show him that I can do that right. And he's going to go change. And he's going to go do whatever he can. And he's going to appreciate the fact that I gave him the respect to hit him right between the eyeballs with that thing. Here's the problem. Men come home and try to respect their wives. I wish Kim was here right now. Let's pretend Kim's right here. Come home. She's been home all day, but the dishes aren't done. Are you kidding me? You messed up. I thought we talked about this. The dishes were going to be done every day when I got home because I don't like to come home to a dirty kitchen. Man, you need to fix this. You need to... How's that going to go? Let <laughs> balloon. But here's the truth. That conversation has happened in couples in this room. And ma'am, I want you to understand something. 
It's not because he doesn't love or care for you. It's because he lives in a world of respect. And I'm not saying that that's okay. And sir, you need to realize you're not loving your wife. You may think you are, you are not. You need to come along. Actually, here's what love does. Oh man, you must have had a heck of a day. Did the kids drive you nuts? Because for the dishes not to be done, I know something happened. And so you know what? I'm going to go do the dishes real quick. And then you can tell me about your day. How many women? <laughs> Listen, when I was in Aiken, <laughs> I, don't know, I told this last night, so I got to tell you so you're on the even paper. When I was in Aiken, there was one day I was doing the dishes. My wife came in the kitchen. And she goes, you are so turning me on right now. I have done the dishes every day since. <laughs> Listen, there's a difference between love and respect. And sir, your wife needs love, not respect. She wants to be respected, don't get me wrong, but what motivates her is her heart being cared for by you in love. Ma'am, your husband is motivated by respect. I tell couples this. I look at the guy and I say, never, ever, 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 never, ever, ever comment on your wife's weight. <laughs> yes or no? There's something about a woman and her weight that when a man says something, man, any attack of self-esteem just the enemy. Okay? Then I look at her and I say this. When you say words that are disrespectful, it's the same feeling a man gets as when he comments on your weight. Ladies, get this. Because if you want to crush your man, just keep telling them how worthless they are how they don't live up, how they can't, man, I wish you were like this, right? Man, it's just, a man will just crumble. And then I tell couples this, a man could come to the financial ruin. He could lose everything. But if his wife looks at him and says, honey, we're gonna be okay. I know you're gonna get us through this. He's gonna be like, yeah, we are. Yes or no, guys? God knew in his word what he was saying. God knew what he was putting in here. We just have to grab a hold of it and go, okay, God, you know best. But so many times in our marriages, we say, I know best. Or we say, no, he's got to earn the respect before I give it. If that's your position, then you need to earn his love before you get it. It's funny because a woman will tell me, well, the man is supposed to love me as Christ loved the church. And then I'll say, well, how are you in respecting your husband? Well, he hasn't earned it yet. Come on. You can't have that and not have it this way. It says husbands love your wives and wives respect your husband. It doesn't say if he earns it or if she earns it. It's solely based on what he said. And now we're going to pray and ask God to speak to us individually about what that looks for us in our own lives. 
Grab a hold of what the Holy Spirit has for you, not for your spouse. Change the culture of your home. Change the culture of your marriage by being the person God has asked you to be and stop focusing on what your spouse is supposed to be. Let the Holy Spirit speak to him or her about that. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the fact that you've given us a picture of what a healthy marriage looks like. And God, I started with the standard today and I realized that there are marriages in here that are suffering and struggling. I realize that there's not a perfect marriage in this room, but at least you've given us what the bullseye is. And so Lord, I pray right now that you would help us to be on purpose about arranging ourselves under our spouse. Whether it's the man or the woman, God, your word says that if we're in right relationship with you, you will instruct us in how to serve our spouse, to put ourselves under our spouse, to give our spouse more value than we have in our own mind about ourselves. And so God, help us to submit to one another out of that reverence for you. And then Lord, I pray that you would help women to understand that you're asking them to go against that protective nature and to give their heart away again. Understanding it's risky and understanding that not they can get hurt, but they're going to get hurt. But God, I pray that you would put a resolve in every lady in here to say, you know what, despite the fact that my husband's not perfect, I will give him my heart and I'll give him my life. And God, I pray that for the men in here that you would give them an understanding of the fact that you died for us, you served us, you became humble, you became lower than any human being on this planet, the word says. And so God, when we come to our marriages as men, I pray that you would put in us a desire to serve, to die to ourselves, to die to the things that we want, to die to the nature of conquering, to die to the things that even we need in order to care for that woman that you have given to us. That precious gift. God, help us to care for and nurture that heart so that it would come into full bloom, almost like a rose in just its, all its beauty. God, help us to be men that put that a priority in our marriages. Help us to understanding or to the understanding of what love is for our specific wife. Help us to love her in the way she needs to be loved. Help us to be good at that. Help us to be students of our wife's heart. And then finally, Lord, I pray that women would understand the power they have in respecting their husbands, to looking at them or to finding that positive thing that they do and to encourage their man with those things, to lift them up in those things. And God, I pray for the marriages of this church. I pray for the marriages of this community. And I pray that they would be supernatural ones. God, may we draw people from the world into this place because of how we love one another as married couples. And God, we thank you for these things in your name. Amen.